0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek.
1: Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast, and we have a good one for you. We are here with a very amazing person. We are joined, of course, by Louis Gadio. Welcome to the show. Hey,
2: welcome. Glad to be on.
1: you know want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself because you know I know you work in the film industry and you want to tell you know what you do
2: and how long you've been doing it and stuff Sure thing um so I am um I've been I've been living in New York City for about 15 years, and uh, during that time, I've done some work in film and and on stage um, for theater, um, mostly as a writer, uh, but a little bit here and there as an actor. Um, I I write for a live sketch show uh, in the city called Our Bar uh, every month. Um, you can see that if you're ever in the uh, in the Upper East Side, uh, the first Wednesday of every month, um, nice. and uh, my most recent uh, big thing that I worked on was I, I got to be I got to be in a feature film called Sky Hoshi Anime Girl uh, that's coming out on Pure Magic Pictures later this year.
1: That is actually awesome. in about a month. That's true. It's coming out because we had uh, some of the folks from it earlier on the show, so it's pretty awesome. So, all right, we found out about Lewis, and are you ready, Mike? Want to take over?
3: uh well put, sure yeah we'll put them through it, the we're... ringer now yeah <laughs> <laughs> well we'll see what we can do good the cop, is, cop thing. You know. is coming a little bit later but but in the meantime before we get to that like let's go back where did it start where did you get the the bug to to act or write or be involved with storytelling uh
2: that's a good question when i was um almost exactly 10 years old um jurassic park came out on uh my birthday and prior prior to that movie, I had been like I had liked movies, my parents you know always watched movies and took me to the movies and stuff, and I would stay up late watching movies with them. but I never really like cared about a movie until Jurassic Park came out. Hmm. um and it was really the dinosaurs was the end for me. like if you had asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up up until literally age ten, I would have said paleontologist uh until I saw Jurassic Park and then I was like, no, no, no. Um I don't want to do that anymore. I want to make fake dinosaurs. Uh, I want to be in I want to go into movies like Steven Spielberg.
3: That's cool. That's cool. Um and so so you were right away attracted to the other side of filmmaking?
2: Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of, uh, went through a journey of trying to figure out like, what do I want to do in film? And I, I guess I'm still figuring that out, but <laughs> uh, cause you know, I want to do it all, but, um, you only have so much time. Um, but yeah, for several years, I, I thought I wanted to be a, I really wanted to be a director. I wanted to be the uh, Steven Spielberg, um, until I actually went to film school and learned how hard all of the technical aspects of film are. And, um, know how good of an eye you need to have for things like lighting and uh set design and things like that. Um so I kind of switched gears and decided to um to get into screenwriting instead. And uh so you know I I I figured out that uh if you if you do that, if you write the script and hand it to somebody, they have to worry about all the technical stuff and all the big budget <laughs> stuff. Um, you get to just use your imagination. So <laughs> Um, so I've kind of I've kind of leaned a lot more in the direction of being a writer, but uh, I still get a few chances to perform and, and act here and there occasionally.
3: What uh, what is your history with acting? Was that something you did from an early age as well?
2: Uh, yeah, as soon as I got into high school and uh, my high school had a theater program, um, I got, you know, I, I auditioned for everything I possibly could. Uh, got into a few school plays and musicals and um and really, really enjoyed doing that. And uh, um, yeah, so uh, the the sketch show that I write for, uh, which I currently still do in the city, uh, New York City, um, it's the nature of it is uh, every month is a brand new show. It's a one hour show and it's short sketches. It's like one hour long and each scene, each sketch is maybe two, three minutes. Um, and being on on the crew for that or on the, in the company is, is the right word. Uh, being in the company for that, Almost everybody is like both a writer and an actor. Mm. Um, So you get to you get to play a silly character or two uh, in the show once a month. And then you get to start all over the next month and and start from scratch.
3: Now, you mentioned your uh, directing influence, big influence with Spielberg. As far as your writing influence, especially when it comes to writing sketch comedy, comedy in general, do you have any inspirations that you pull from that you that you look to?
2: Right now, my biggest heroes in in the world of sketch, especially with writing, are um Robin Thede and Quinta Brunson. Um Quinta Brunson, if you don't recognize her name, she uh if you've ever seen Abbott Elementary. Um okay. but they both actually got their start on well, I don't know what they where they got their start really, but I know them both from um a black lady sketch show, which uh in my opinion is one of the funniest things on TV right now. Abbott Elementary also being one of the funniest things um so they're big influences on me um and uh also uh he's not a screenwriter but or he wasn't um but the comedian Mitch Hedberg is one of my biggest uh okay yeah. influences in terms of like the, t- the style of humor that I gravitate towards
1: love Mitch he was so awesome one of a kind oh yeah very much so
3: yeah that's uh yeah that's very cool um and uh acting wise do you do you feel like um you're more compelled to do comedy or does dramas you you fit really well with those two
2: i definitely more compelled to do comedy <laughs> um i, <laughs> I like uh, i like writing comedy a lot more than i like writing drama and i, I definitely like performing it a lot more um i just like the in, the instant feedback that you get from an audience you know if, if you think something's funny and you do it in front of an audience, you know right away whether you were right or wrong uh, and whether whether or not the audience agrees with you with drama it's it's a little harder to tell um you know you can't really if you're doing it right, you're not really supposed to be paying attention to how the audience is responding to it All right um and again, if you're doing it right, often they'll be just stunned into silence, and that's uh for somebody who needs approval <laughs> um that's uh you know not the easiest uh to interpret,
3: yeah, it is kind of tough, and it's tough.
2: Um, doing
3: acting, period. Uh, it's not some people can't make the transition even to this day between an audience like theater or film and video. Um, mm. do you have a preference or do you uh
2: find both are interesting in their own way? They're both interesting in their own way. I what i what i love about film is the ability to um when you discover something new in the moment when you when you're like going through a scene and maybe somebody improvs a line or forgets something and they fill it in with something else mm-hmm. um you have the chance to sort of reset and be like oh let's do that one this this time let's do like a take where we try that new thing we just discovered uh, and you have that chance to do it right away um, with theater, you do kind of have sometimes you'll have like, you know, the next show or or whatever. It'll be the next night or the following week, and you could try something different. You could try something new. Um, but film kind of gives you that like different, unique opportunity. Um and where I think uh stage is better, uh, you know, on, on the other side of that coin is that um that immediate feedback that you get, that that you're kind of in, in you're feeling the audience's energy and you can feed off of it and That's something you just absolutely don't get with film
3: right right yeah and that that's uh from what i understand and i've experienced this myself from my limited uh theater work that i've done when i was younger um but that reaction you get from an audience i mean that's whether it's uh whether you're making them laugh or making them cry or whatever that's a rush right that's a pretty powerful thing Mm. um way to rush yeah yeah. When we uh, when we talked to Kaladi, um he was talking about how New York is, is still really a fertile ground for independent filmmaking. Um, so let me ask you, in, in addition to that, um, you know, I always still think of New York as being the center ground in the in the world, maybe for for theater, for live performances. Do you still is that still
2: the case? Do you feel like being in New York? I think so uh there's I know so many people that um are you know through my show that uh they have their own side shows and they have their own other theater groups that they're involved in uh so I'd say you know just just for going out and supporting my friends and the projects that they do um I'm able to see new live theater you know 3 4 shows a month easy um and that's like and that's just incidental like if I was really if I wanted to, I could do it every night of the every single night of the week um,
3: and see something there. different,
2: right? Yeah, you'll, there's always something new. There's always something fresh. There's always uh, some you know small company that's really excited about what they're putting out, and and uh, you, you can always find fresh original work in New York City. And I don't think that's slowing down anytime soon. Is it?
3: Is it a welcoming community? Is it really competitive? Is it what? What? How do you feel about like the actual? acting or theater community there.
2: You know, I've um in the in the circles that I've been lucky enough to run in, I'd say I it's never felt competitive in a negative way. Okay. Um it's felt uh you know the, like trying to get trying to get paid jobs is very competitive. <laughs> um but at the small kind of indie theater level where you know barely anybody's really profiting from it, uh kind of everyone's doing it for the passion of it. Um, it's it's more supportive than anything. It's more more of a um, you know, you do like you get that sense of competition in, in the uh sense of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how good that person is at doing this or doing that, t- that type of accent or whatever it is. Um, but you know, that's always somebody that's accessible to you. That's always somebody that you could talk to and be like, hey, you know, what's how do you get through this? How do you uh develop X, Y, and Z? And and you know, it's very supp- very supportive.
3: that's nice to hear that's nice to hear. I guess it's on the other coast that is really competitive right like <laughs> really <laughs> like over there in Hollywood still it's still uh, a nightmare no, I don't know uh from what <laughs> from what the stories you hear you know it, it sounds like it is but uh but um I mean that's cool. I really like it's good to hear that New York is still really fertile in creative energy um
2: i I was really impressed by that
3: um how did you get involved yeah. with pure magic pictures?
2: Uh, so, um, I, there's a couple of websites that I'm on where I freelance and, uh, just have like a profile set up. And, um, so I responded to a job posting on one of them and it was, uh, for a, um, it actually, it wasn't for the, the, the film Sky Hoshi. It was for, um, so I'm sure Kalani, um, filled you in on all of, all of his stuff, but yeah, they have a whole production studio in Brooklyn, right. uh, Pure Magic Pictures and um about a year ago now um they were putting out a call for for writers uh for a sketch show um and i've you know a lot of experience doing that with my live show um and so i came in for a writer's meeting i met the other prospective writers they were talking to and just kind of hit it off with kalani and and, uh, stephanie um, and a few other people that work on the show um and so i've been uh I started out just um, kind of hanging out with them in the writer's room, like pitching ideas for sketches and uh, writing a few sketches with them. And then they asked me if I would write for their uh, morning news show. They have a show called Good Magical Morning mm-hmm. um, that talks about like geek news and, you know, cool things going on around the world. And so that I've been writing episodes of that show as well. And uh, somewhere along the way, they were like, hey, we're we're producing another film. Do you want to be in it? Um, <laughs> I was like, I'm, "I'm absolutely, that's a dream come true.
3: <laughs> so speaking of said film, we're referring to Sky Hoshi, right? Uh, yes, tell so us
2: about Sky Hoshi, Anime Girl. Sky Hoshi, Anime Girl is... I'm so excited to see the final thing because uh, I've only seen uh, some clips of it so far. But the story of it is basically um a a a guy that's like an anime fan uh doesn't have a lot of close friends and and um kind of wishes his life was was more exciting uh he makes a wish and his wish kind of comes true and inadvertently he pulls this girl from her anime world into the real world and um at first you know it's really exciting but at some point uh they realize like she needs to get back to her world or else disaster is going to happen um, so I play a character in that movie called Marvin, and Marvin is a big anime geek. Um, in, in the best way, he, uh, <laughs> hangs out at the, the local comic book store that the main character works at, uh, all the time. And, um, he knows, so he knows like in, in depth expert level knowledge about the Sky Hoshi anime. So when she's in in danger when she comes to the real world and she's in trouble, he's kind of like the the knowledge expert on uh you know how how are we gonna help her how are we gonna get her back um, and uh,
3: yeah, no spoilers <laughs> <laughs> um one thing i was uh is this a like full like feature length movie
2: uh yes i don't know what the full what the runtime is going to end up being but when i read the script i think it was about uh about 70 or 80 pages um okay. so i think i think it'll come in a little over an hour um, Yeah, oh, that's good yeah yeah
3: um and sky hoshi anime girl is uh set to premiere my understanding is on april 21st right
2: Yes, that's right. I didn't want to say the exact date in case they had made any you know, last <laughs> changes. minute changes. But, well, I'm, but yeah, I'm, that's I, uh, yeah,
3: looking at the website. And yeah, we'll, we'll go, go to the website to make sure. But uh, yeah. and keep it posted. But yes. Uh, and that's Pure Magic Pictures uh, and then uh, Sky Hoshi. Um, yeah, it says here it's zapping to your screen. April 21st. I think uh, Kalani said there was going to be some sort of uh, big online event for that. Right.
2: Live sort of viewing. That's right. I was just going to say um, there's going to be a big digital launch party, and uh, anybody who's listening can can come to that, and you can watch uh, along with us. Uh, the whole cast and crew is going to be watching that night, so uh, you can tune in with us.
3: Awesome. Awesome. Well, that does sound like a really cool event. Um, and yeah, plenty of time, folks. April 21st. And then, you know, if you happen to miss the live one, you can – I'm sure it'll be available, right? It's not like it's only going to be on that one night, right? So, But you can see a trailer. Yeah on uh, their youtube channel and actually at their website as well so i would
2: check that out are you in the trailer uh my 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 um <laughs> my unconscious body is at the very end of the trailer so eagle-eyed <laughs> fans can look for uh me um yep uh, i won't i won't say why i'm unconscious i'll i'll uh, tease you with that and you can watch the trailer until you find me so body okay, number one, enough.
1: that's you on the floor. Got it. Okay.
3: Exactly. Exactly. Fair enough. That's really cool. Um, all right. Uh well, Mike, uh, you know, we found out what he's up to. Let's uh find out where his passions are. I think it's time for the geek seat. Let's Uh-oh. bring him through.
1: All right, Lou. You're ready for your first question in the geek seat, sir. I'm ready. All right. Your first question is, of course, what is your favorite geek out moment?
0: Okay, my favorite
2: geek out moment. um, Years ago, I was in a show called um, Minions of Gozer. And if you've ever seen or if you're familiar with Rocky Horror Picture Show, Mm -hmm. uh, where where they have midnight screenings and people shout things along and sometimes, you know, do do dress up and performances uh, while the movie's happening. Um, So my friends and I put together a show like that, but for Ghostbusters, and so we would like rent out theaters we did it we performed at the ifc center a few times and um we would dress up as the ghostbusters with proton packs that shoot silly string and stuff like that we had like a a slimer muppet that um one of our vfx friends made and uh so yeah we would do like a basically a, a live um uh show of ghostbusters while you're watching the movie ghostbusters and um one night we performed at bb kings in times square really and it was just oh that's awesome ab- yeah it was just absolutely incredible one of the greatest nights of my life um one of the most fun times i've ever had be- just being a geek out you know out and proud and and uh <laughs> just having a having a blast with my friends
1: oh i'm sure i'm sure it must have been amazing to be you know cuz bb kings is almost right dead center in you know times square
3: yeah it is mm. So
1: that's pretty awesome, dude. That is really yeah. awesome. Cool. Let's look at the flip side of that now though. Okay. What was your most disappointing geek out moment other than being on the podcast here? But, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, it's it's a it's a coin toss between um Jurassic World Dominion just in general um <laughs>
1: understandable right there
2: we we understand yeah yeah just yeah. across the board although i i don't know if i can accurately say i was disappointed cuz my expectations were realistic <laughs> um <laughs> but uh you know what okay um hear me out on this it's it, star wars episode 9 the rise of skywalker when they didn't kill chewbacca um not that i wanted to see chewbacca die by the way, spoilers for episode 9 Rise of Skywalker. It's been a but couple not of that years, I wanted it's, it's to okay.
1: See, it's okay.
2: Yeah, the beloved Wookiee died, but it was the moment when you thought he died, when you thought Ray, you know, blew up the ship and and he's gone. I thought, "Oh my gosh, they actually had the guts to to do something like that. This is exciting." And then 10 minutes later, they retconned it and it was like, "Oh no, I know I can see this movie for exactly what it is." um so that was one of the biggest disappointments i've ever had in my geek life wow he wants chewy dead
1: exactly wow
3: <laughs> his biggest disappointment is that Chewie lived <laughs> that's a <Wow>. new one <laughs>
1: you know in, you know he probably was wearing a button afterwards Ooh, Chewie lived. Enough. I think we know why
3: he's <laughs>
2: lying unconscious in the trailer
1: now. Yeah, now I know. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. I don't know For
2: the right. record, I love Chewbacca. <laughs> I think he's one of the most underrated pilots in all of Star Wars. Uh, that's a whole other argument that I'll... Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. That's awesome.
1: What turns your geek off?
2: What turns my geek off? Mm-hmm. When, when you can tell something is pandering... Um, when you could tell that it's, you know, it's not uh it's not coming from a place of like, you know, we, we are actually geeks and we're making this thing, but it's like we are we have tapped into the buzzwords of what geeks are into because we know the products that you buy and we're trying to sell you a product.
1: Oh, gotcha. The merchandising of it and you know, selling something as, you know, something that's cool and everything. But it's actually only to sell the toys or whatever. Yeah. Oh, well, that's totally understandable.
2: And as somebody that collects action figures, then, you know, the uh, me- highest movie memorabilia, um, I'm not against it in in principle. But it's when, you know, when it's, when it's cynical, when it's like this wasn't – this didn't come from love. We're not making a toy from this because it's cool. We're making a toy from it because that was the goal in the first place. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right.
1: We're putting this scene in the movie because we know there's going to be toys made out of it or something like that.
2: Yeah. Ugh,
1: God, I can't stand
2: that. <laughs> Good
1: one. Good one, actually. <laughs> what geeks you out the most
2: what geeks me out the most is um passion uh seeing seeing like passion for um geek things and and uh you know and somebody's just real real excited about it and it it uh, comes from a genuine place
1: no i totally understand that you could tell when someone's passionate about a project and you love seeing that passion come to life. It's just amazing to see and to see that even if it's not, it doesn't even have to be big. It could be, you know, a kid doing a piece of artwork or something, but the passion's Mm. there and everything.
2: Yeah. Like when you go to comic con and you see like the, the amount of work that cosplayers put into their, their things like that. Yeah. That excites me so much.
1: That's awesome. Mm. I love it. What fictional character would you like to meet the most?
2: Okay. I thought about this question a lot. Uh Um, uh (laughs) and I think I, I think I have the right answer. Uh, um, we'll be the judge of that one, sir. Mm -hmm. All right. Fair enough. But I think it's Maxwell Lord, uh, the villain. Yep. Um, because his whole thing is that he'll give everybody one wish. Uh, regardless of who you are. And I know that he will try to manipulate you into making it something that ultimately he wants. And like by proxy, you're wasting your wish on, on furthering his gain. Um, but I think that if I knew ahead of time that I was gonna meet him and I like could plan out exactly the words I'm gonna use, uh, that'd be amazing. You're you're literally meeting a genie.
3: Hmm. Yeah. At yeah. first. That is a first. Lou, Lou is giving us a lot of firsts here. I definitely
2: <laughs> think so.
1: Didn't expect that one. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. What fictional <laughs> no. character would you like to meet the least?
2: Freddy Krueger, uh, for sure. Um, <laughs> Freddy Krueger will not only uh, kill you, he'll kill you in an ironic and painful and torturous way. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> and he'll do it just for fun. So, uh, once, basically once you've crossed paths with Freddy Krueger also he doesn't stop uh, until he's brought you down and everybody that you care about so um, yeah I I've, I've thought about this one a lot too <laughs> Freddy Krueger absolutely is the least uh, the fictional character I'd like to meet the least and awesome I've heard
3: that one before and oh, yeah because yeah, he you know you, you don't have to go to Camp Crystal Lake you don't have to go celebrate Halloween but man you have to sleep
1: mm. Good so
3: he's got
1: you. <laughs> he's got you all the way around there. Ugh.
2: Unless you become a
1: dream warrior. True. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. You're going old school on that one, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose?
2: That's a tough choice. Uh, it's, I, I say out of context in a lot of uh, situations. Um, wait, You bred Raptors. Um, So I think it's going to be that because it's just fun to, like, do a dramatic pause and then bust that out uh, in response to just about anything.
1: (laughs) No, understandable completely on that one. You know, sure. And I'm sure you bring it up in everyday conversation, you know. (laughs) That's cool. What is your ideal geek occupation?
2: Um. I if I maybe like being a video game tester. Uh I think that'd be a fun thing to do. Like they always, you know, I've 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 heard people say um it's not fun after a while. It makes you kind of resent video games or you hate them. Um and that you're not really playing like to tell somebody how fun the game is. You're playing to like find bugs and and help them develop it so that the bugs, you know, they can they can uh program them out. Um, but I, I don't know. I think that'd be it'd be fun to be part of that process and to um you know play play with like the architecture of a game before it's actually released. Um so
1: yeah. No, it's I have friends of mine who have done that and I always go, It must be fun to do that. It must be exciting playing video games all the time. They just really give me dirty looks when I say that. So it's okay. <laughs> so what geek occupation would you not like to do?
2: Uh, I wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't want to be somebody on um, the Death Star that has to clean the, uh, uh, or clear out the um, the garbage mashers, because uh, you might. I mean, for a number of reasons, I don't want to, you know, deal with <laughs> sanitation, but also um, you 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 have the added danger of a Dianoga pulling you under the water, and uh, just that's not how I want to go. <laughs> okay
3: uh, and and death stars don't usually have a strong lifetime either so <laughs> yeah two for two
2: <laughs> if, the, if
3: the if the uh garbage creature doesn't get you well some rebel will Exactly. <laughs>
1: some rebel from tatooine you know damn yeah. that place <laughs> all right lou are you ready for your final question in the geek seat ready what is your ultimate geek fantasy
2: uh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going for some redemption here. Um, so it's, I want to, uh, sit in the, in the co-pilot seat. I don't want to, I don't not want to fly it because I don't think I'd be a good pilot, but I want to sit in the co-pilot seat of the Millennium Falcon while Chewie is flying it. Um, ah. and, uh, and hopefully he doesn't hear the first part of this podcast <laughs> where I wished for his death, but <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: He's probably thinking, um, does, yeah. this, does this Millennium Falcon have an ejector seat? That's what he's probably wondering.
3: <laughs> Let the Wookiee win. Exactly. Let the Wookiee win. Yeah. That's what A New Hope taught us.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, we've got some great news for you. You've made it through the Geek Seat. Congratulations, Huzzah! sir. Mr. Yeah. Mike Gordon, tell the young man what he's won. You have won
3: a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth $68.04. Ooh. Yeah, I think amazing. it's, uh, I think that was a little more than Kalani got. So, uh, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to go re- run back the tape, but, uh, it's been amazing having you on and joining us, uh, talking about yourself. Um, again, the movie is Sky Hoshi, right? Anime Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, right now it looks like it's going to premiere on April 21st and, uh, but check the website. We'll have a link to that in our show notes. Uh, outside of that, is there any other online presence that you want to promote, like of people who want to follow you or anything like that?
2: Uh, yeah. Is it okay if I promote my podcast? Of, Absolutely. Of course.
1: Oh, wait, a podcast? No, just kidding. Of
3: course. Yes, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. um, yeah, so you, you can find me on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, just search for Lewis Gaudio. Or um, if you check out my podcast, uh, I have a podcast called Robots vs. Dinosaurs. And I think actually you guys would be into it um i always bring a guest on and we talk about a movie that has a robot and or a dinosaur in it uh so wow. if you search for that uh we're a gun on instagram facebook everywhere so um robots versus dinosaurs
1: that cool. is awesome
2: yeah
1: that would be a fun podcast to appear on that would be cool
2: <laughs> i'd love to have you guys on as a guest sometime
1: well that'd sure. be great well awesome Lou, thank you so much for joining us and we're looking forward to seeing you in the film let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment to close up the show
2: I recall the time they found those fossilized mosquitoes and before long they
0: Welcome to a Geek Girls Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this Geek Girl is talking about Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. The newest Puss in Boots movie is out on Peacock streaming, and it is an absolute delight. It has a star-studded cast, like you would expect from a film in the Shrek universe. Antonio Banderas returns as Puss in Boots, Selma Hyatt, Florence Pugh, and Harvey Gollum also join him for this film as well. The film is directed by Joel Crawford, who has directed a lot of animated films in the last few years, like Trolls, the crew is a new age, and the Lego movie too, so it was in good hands. The movie follows Puss in Boots as he finds himself down to the last of his nine lives. He learns of a wishing star that will grant one wish to the person who can find it. So he goes on an adventure to get his lives back. But death is on his tail, and he needs to learn a lesson about friendship and what he really needs in life. And that there's more to life than just adventure. The animation style in this movie was a lot of fun. The fights looked really, really cool since you can't have Puss in Boots without some pretty epic battles. I really enjoyed this very fun animated film. It's great for kids and for anyone who grew up with the Shrek franchise in general, since it's very fun and adults will enjoy it just as much as kids will. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out.
3: This Labor Day weekend, fandom is calling to help you answer the call with the latest news, notes, tips, and tricks on the DragonCon Report. Available as an audio podcast, visit DragonConReport.com. And for the first time ever, watch us on video via Facebook Live and YouTube. We want to help you celebrate your fandom in all the best ways. So listen up, and we'll see you at the con.
1: that's gonna wrap up another episode of the air station one podcast I want to thank lou for joining us
2: tonight thanks so much for having me on this was a wonderful wonderful time Um i'm sorry about some of the things i said about chewbacca uh, but hopefully <laughs> he'll forgive me
1: star wars fans <laughs> you could find he gave you his address so yeah we're gonna give you the links to give you the links in to the show right notes to where him, people right find yes. him. Exactly. and the opinions of the guests are not of the hosts just always remember <laughs> that also so always of course you know it is awesome we'd love to have you back sometime it was great to chat and everything we'd love to get you on a panel sometime with some of the shows and stuff it'd be good luck it'd with be the funny.
3: premiere of the movie
1: yes very much so thank you and you want to promote the movie real quick one more time
2: uh yes so make sure that you subscribe to pure magic pictures and uh check out sky hoshi anime girl on april 21st awesome
1: awesome look for it folks just a couple weeks i Definitely. And Kalani and the crew over there, are such great folks. Definitely check it out. And of course, Mr. Mike, we've made it through another episode, sir.
3: We did. And as always, it's
1: my pleasure. Well, anything you want to shout out about, sir?
3: Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it on our last show, but I want to reiterate it. Um, we've got uh, officially announced you, uh, as far as the earth station one podcast, myself as part of uh, ESO, as well as, Tiki Zombie stuff that I write and all that. And then Peter, as the artist, have all been uh, announced to be at SC Comic-Con. And uh, that's just coming up in a few weeks. Uh, that's uh, April 14th or 15th and 16th. Right. Uh, dude, you're going to be impressed. I even got my hotel reserved.
1: <gasps> I'm shocked. <laughs> I am. I know, right? It's you're like a month you're ago. usually Mr. Last Minute. Come on. I what am, do you
3: mean? I am. Uh, so, uh, but no, I was so excited to see. Uh, look, this is... I don't know if this is quite the I mean, I know they had to the skippy years because of the pandemic. So I, I think the first one that I ever went to, which was the first one, was in 2013. So soon, if not this year, they're celebrating 10 years of doing this, or their 10th one or whatever. But in any case, they've been doing it for a while, Robert and Michelle and their crew, um, and they just put on a great show. It's a great show. They get the people up, they get the community out. Um, it's pretty fun and exciting, and I'm really honored to have been a guest at almost every one of them. So uh, it has been uh, an honor and my pleasure. So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing everybody in April. Um, And uh, because, yeah, we didn't get to go. Unfortunately, we had a conflict, so we didn't get to go to the one uh, SC Comic-Con Junior in October. Nope. Um, So it's been a year since we've been there. So I'm really excited to see everybody again.
1: Sadly enough, I was in Europe. (laughs) Sorry, folks.
3: (laughs) 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 <laughs> He's not sad at all.
1: No, not at all. I, I was enjoying myself, so it was cool. But, yeah, it definitely is a great con to do. And, you know, if you ever get into Greenville, South Carolina, go to the new Borderlands store. It is amazing to check it out. It's the size of a Barnes & Noble, folks. A comic shop that size is just awesome. And they, have, if you're into gaming, they got games you couldn't even believe in or anything. Some of the most thorough, you know, selection of everything there. And, again, they don't pay us for advertising. That's really, you know, <laughs> we're missing the mark here. For, like, I think we're doing <laughs> something wrong. So, but definitely check it out. It's going to be a fun con. And you know what? It's just a great time. And Robert will be up on the show in a couple of weeks to tell, give us a rundown of the con and everything, as he normally does. So it's going to be a ton of fun to do that. So that's going to wrap up the show. I want to thank everyone for being here and joining for us. As always, thanks for listening to the Air Station One podcast. Always remember, we couldn't do this without you. If you want to support the podcast, please check out our T Public score and get some new cool ESO Network swag. Also, remember, if you want to listen to the show before the rest of the world, who doesn't want to do that? Come on. This is the Earth Station One podcast. Why not join the ESO Network Patreon? for as little as a dollar a month you can help support us from here at Earth Station 1. Check it out at patreon.com/eso network. We also want to hear from you. Please write us anytime at feedback dot at onecom Remember, you can also find Earth Station 1 wherever fine podcasts are found, and now Earth Station 1 is even in video format on YouTube. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, and of course Mr. Mike Gordon and Lou Godado. Thank you very, very much for joining us tonight. We will see you next time. Peace. And we are done. Ciao, everybody. Later. You've been listening to the Earth Station One Podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Our Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats